everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Lunch Pail Podcast alongside Mike Nizolik, the Virginia Tech football beat writer for the Roanoke Times. This is Aaron McFarling, sports columnist for the Roanoke Times. Wow, we have kind of a beefy podcast to do here in mid-January, getting to late January. Didn't think we'd have all this to talk about, but what we do, uh, we'll talk about Fuente's dalliance with Baylor, um, the transfers of Keene and Hazleton, a little bit of recruiting talk. Uh, the schedule's out. We'll take a quick look at that and uh, size up whether it's uh, advantageous for the Hokies or not. And we'll do our pick three. Obviously, the news last week was dominated by uh, – I use the word dalliance because I, that's the only time you ever see that word, dalliance, this flirtation with um, with Baylor last week. Mike, give us, a, I guess, a skeleton uh, outline of, of what happened. Well, I mean, basically, uh, Baylor came a-calling, and uh, they, their uh, coach, Matt Rule, uh, left. Uh, this is later than usual, but uh, he left for the NFL, left for the Carolina Panthers. So um, they had an opening, and um, they kind of centered it on Fuente and um, got word on that Tuesday that uh, he was going to interview. Uh, Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports kind of broke the story um, that uh, they were interested in making him their top candidate, and then he uh, – that he interviewed, and um, then rumors started flying all all over the place. And Wednesday, there was kind of 24 hours of uncertainty. Some people said that Fuente had flown out there with his wife. That's not really usually how those things go. You don't interview in the place you're being uh, interviewed by. Usually, it's at a neutral place. In this case, we found out later they came here. Um, Fuente was sort of in, uh, uh, you know, he spent most of that time still working uh, at Virginia Tech. Um, spent Wednesday night kind of thinking things over. We eventually found out that after meeting with Baylor, he sat down with Witt Babcock, uh, Tech's AD, and ultimately Wednesday morning sent out a tweet. Uh, what was it, 2020? Let's go or something like yep, that. And uh, uh, it was a picture of him and the staff at a staff meeting, all the new assistant coaches and everything. And um, I mean, obviously that hinted that he was back, but we sought clarification and eventually was told that, yes, that indeed meant he's coming back. Um, and that was sort of that. And now they, you know, uh, uh, Witt met with the media or had a conference call with local reporters to kind of share some details and discuss things because, you know, there was questions of was he promised any money, not necessarily for him and his contract, but um, in terms of the money for assistance or for staff or for facilities, um, nothing was put in writing, nothing was guaranteed. According to Witt, um, and it kind of came down to some soul searching and he decided he kind of wanted to start what he finished. Um, and so that's where we're at. And uh, the fan base isn't happy, obviously. Um, I don't think with sort of the you know, you never love your coach talking to uh, another program, but I, I, th I think they're kind of underwhelmed, and this is what you're calm with, and I'll let you kind of run with this, the sort of lack of a sort of taking stock and explaining this is why I did what I did, right? You know, uh, Witt sort of touched on it, um, but I think sort of now in the fallout to it, um, that's sort of where the fan base is at, wouldn't you kind of uh, – I mean, that's what you wrote about. So Well, obviously. and I can't speak for the entire fan base, and I know there's factions of the fan base that don't agree with me. Uh, but I think this was completely botched and bungled from a PR standpoint. I personally don't blame uh, Justin Fuente for listening. I don't blame him for looking for anything in his uh, life that will improve his family and improve his financial situation. I mean, that's the right we all have as, as Americans, man. This is not Russia. This is not the place where they brought down the wall, as Two Live Crew once said. 
you, you have a right to, to look around. I mean, but when you decide to stay, uh, after two tense days, as you mentioned, and after people start wondering, are we going to have a coach in mid-January? You know, with, with all that that's coming back at Virginia Tech, are we going to have a new coach? That's what everyone's wondering. And then you tweet three words, and that's it? I mean, if I'm Whit Babcock, and I think Whit has been amazing at so many things, but I don't think PR has been been his strong suit, and uh, I think that's putting it gently. Well, you, you have – Fuente's a private person. He doesn't like this stuff, that aspect of the job. And Wit is a private sort of AD in the sense where he doesn't like talking about coaching searches. He likes kind of keeping things in-house. But – and, I, you know, for us it's frustrating. You, you know, you want them to go through us or local media, and you want them to talk to us and talk to reporters. But I don't think that's what you're even saying here. No is they have their own arm of publicity. They can handle all this, and, and that would frustrate us, but nobody else. But they can handle it all now themselves and get whatever message out that they want. Exactly, and I would like to separate that entirely, this this issue entirely from media access. That's not what you're talking this about. This is not right. about That media. could have been it, but yeah. it doesn't have to be uh, it. Frankly, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, like, if, if he talks but to me But what I'm saying, not, Fuente could have done a press conference, but he also had other options. Look you, at, right, okay, right. a few days later, what happens? Uh, Robert and I, the uh, offensive coordinator at the University of Virginia, is in the mix for the University of Hawaii head job. This is an obvious step up. You know, you're a coordinator. You're supposed to want a head job, you know, and he does. He, he withdraws his name from the Hawaii search. They send out a paragraph, uh, three or four sentences, just with, with Robert and I saying, you know, hey, I, you know, I'm excited about what we got going on at Virginia. I want to see this through, whatever he said. But it was, you know, it was just something to kind of reassure uh, people that uh, that he's happy where he is. And I don't think it would have been very hard at all for, for Fuente to craft some sort of message like that, whether it be a video that takes one minute to tape where you say, hey, I'm all in, guys. Uh, you know, I hope you don't blame me for listening, but this is, you know, this is where And they I do this on a daily basis. Let's not act like this is right. – today they posted videos of the – it was the first day they worked out again, uh, you know, athletes worked out uh, back at Virginia Tech. So there's a uh, – naturally – we don't get any access to that, but there's a two-minute video of them running around. Right. And so that's all you're talking about, and this is and what you know they could have do easily done. As I mentioned in the column, the fact that he mentioned 2020 in his three-word tweet is, is, is fitting because 2020 never never has been bigger than it is now. If, if they win 10 games, if they win the Coastal Division, all this is just doesn't matter. But you, you win seven games or you win eight games – you know, fans start thinking about things like this, like, okay, you know, you're you went and talked to Baylor and didn't say anything to us, and now you're not winning enough, and and so it just seems to me like it would have served him, and I don't, I guess he doesn't care, I guess he doesn't, no, he just he does. doesn't care, and so this is all hue and cry outside of his, you know, his own world, but somebody needs to be in his ear. I, if I'm with Babcock, and I think Teal wrote this the other day, and I. I I thought he was dead on about it. If you're Whit Babcock, you you're his boss. You need to say, look, you put me through two days. But I don't think Whit. But I mean, I think ultimately Whit doesn't see it as a problem. And so there. I, but he I should. Think, he I should. think there's simpatico on it where it's like we 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 handle our own business. This is our own business. And and I I think Whit's wrong. I mean, I I, I, yeah, I think, no, I I think he's misreading the situation. Now I don't want this to be like I'm speaking for the fan base because I can't speak for every fan. 
it's kind of like well, the, you're on social media and you can well, see it's it kind of like yeah. the washington redskins name situation you know it's like you you, you have people writing things and then they do a poll and it's like 95 percent of uh, native americans you know have no problem with the name or like the name so then it's like if you're still writing about that then you you're misstepping because you you don't have a right to tell people how they should be you know, the, the offended party quote unquote how they should feel about something and the fans are the offended party here in my mind. And if they're not uh, collectively, if they're not offended, then I'm not offended. But I think the, I think more than a few are are bummed out by this situation, are, are frustrated by this situation. Well, and then it doesn't hurt. I mean, it doesn't help that two things that you're following Frank Beamer, who stayed and was the lo- you know loyal turned down, you know, and, 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 and Bud Foster. And and be, and Frank, uh, I guess it wasn't known at the time, but admitted in his book he almost left for North Carolina. He interviewed. He took the job. Took the he job. Took the job. Came back home uh, and had an epiphany and decided he wanted to stay. So how much was that was public? Uh, well, what happened was the very next day he and then, then AD Jim Weaver uh, had a press conference and talked about it and he explained why he was staying and what he wanted to accomplish at Virginia Tech. And so it wasn't until questions. after it all happened that he that right, really got involved. Right, right. Okay. So, I mean, this was not the social media age. Right, right, this right. Was, you know, I was brand new at that time. It was 2000 when it happened. Um, so I was, you know, I was covering, like, you know, Pulaski baseball. You know, I had really nothing to do with Virginia Tech at that point. But I remember it was just, you know, there was a lot of uh, consternation and, and, but, and, and the, nervousness. And, you know, fans that have supported Fuente or were kind of thinking this could be nothing – uh, kind of made parallels to that situation, but the fallout obviously was much different in that Frank sort of said, here's what happened and here's why I stayed, and obviously the fallout from it was much different and contained because he took it head on, whereas here, you know, Fuente still hasn't spoken about it or taken any questions or um, spoken to fans or anything. There's and then and then the other flip side of it is is there's a difference when you leave after Frank did right out of your biggest success, mm-hmm. whereas you're leaving now – Sort of when you're in the midst of sort of two, one very underwhelming season. This season, I think, could be was average, um, but I think you probably should have won one or two more games. Um, I don't think that's sort of overstating sort of where what the expectations were. I think ten wins, nine wins, fans would have been happier. Win of, over Virginia and the same record would have been would have been happy. So around right, where you kind of you know just falling short of expectations again for a second year in a row. I think it's different to look at new jobs and not give an explanation that look if he had won the acc coastal and then considered leaving you know that's what coaches do they build on their own success there's where here you're sort of leaving with things unfinished and i think fans that sort of i think can add to the frustration of the fan base where if they had four years of just great success no one's going to begrudge somebody of leaving or looking or trying to build on that or going to a, a different program or whatever here you're leaving for a program where I think in the fans' mind it's equal or less than. I mean, I think certainly if you ask any fan, they probably a Virginia Tech fan, they'd say they're better than Baylor. In reality, I think they're comparable right now programs, and uh, you know Baylor's gonna have a lot more money to throw around. But I just think that there's frustration, kind of that adds to everything. I think there's 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 two extreme sides to the fan base. You know, there's a wide spectrum, but on one side you have people, and I've heard from some of them who've said. He owes me nothing. I don't care. I don't want to hear from him. He, he The tweet is fine. That's it. And then there's other. There's another side that says, Virginia Tech, if you're the coach at, at Virginia Tech, you should stay at Virginia Tech until you're either fired or we build you yeah. a statue. Or the Roanoke Times uh, puts out a special section like they did for Bud. 
you know, but I don't I don't fall in either of those camps. I think there's a very, very wide middle ground in there somewhere where it, it's reasonable to say he has a right to do this. And it's also reasonable to say, give me uh, give me something, you know. Well, and it also it's it's sort of <laughs> look, there's quotes out there that you know, were kind of thrown back in his face about recruiting where you visit somebody else. You're not committed. Those are always going to happen. Recruiting is not the same thing. What I would say was a more awkward sort of transition is the. Man, Bud Foster, these things don't happen. You never see that kind of loyalty. How great is that? <laughs> then the first thing you do is interview for another job, right? Yeah. So it's like that I thought looked more sort of the optics of it weren't great. Rather than the recruiting quotes, every coach has those where they say, you know, you got to be committed to the program. Right. That's just what coaches say. But the idea that, like, you know, he lauded Bud Foster, you know, they're going to write books about his loyalty. And then the first thing you do is say, like, anybody looking for a head coach, right? That's sort of like uh, the the sort of definition of irony. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, are they going to call Bud? Are they going to call Shane? What are we going to do? Um, but it's just, it, you know, and I don't, but I don't think he cares. I, I mean, he's just, he's Clearly to him, not. he's a football coach and that's what you're going to do. And so ultimately, uh, you know, I've kind of come around this. I thought immediately, I was like, man, he's going to have explain to do to the, the um, players and fans. But I mean, now I just kind of think it's like, it doesn't matter. And it doesn't even matter. I don't think if like people are like, he has to win. It's like, well, that he was going to have to win no matter what. Like it was like 10 right. wins. The only way he was going to feel comfortable is if they won the ACC Coastal or had 10 wins or, you know, uh, won big. Otherwise, you know, there was going to be talk of him being on a hot seat or them underperforming for a third. You know, they got a bunch of starters returning. It's sort of, so it's like, I've sort of just come around to nothing matters. <laughs> It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Uh, you well, can say whatever you want, do whatever you want. It's just it is it is what it is. Do you remember last July when we went down to the ACC football kickoff and we started asking questions about some of the transfers from the previous year and how you didn't have that problem this year, you know, right. coming into to 2019. And, and some of the, you know, like he's like, well, a lot of that stuff was just overblown, you know. And it's like, you know what, you had an opportunity at the time those transfers were happening to just come out and say, look, guys, it's the, the transfer portal's new. There's going to be transfers. It's going to – don't worry. We're not worried about it. We're – and that and, and that, that's the only other time I've ever written about Fuente's personality and his private nature was when I thought he should have done more in that situation to kind of soothe the, the, the fan base that was panicking. And, and I think there was a, an opportunity to do that here, but you're right. He's not going to do it. It doesn't matter to him, and and, and, that's, and you know that's it's like it's it's a sort of a nebulous like what's the impact of it? It's like it's like maybe it hurts recruit or uh, not recruiting uh, uh, donations like that. I don't think fans are really uh, were enamored with that personality to begin with because of what he was coming after and Frank being Frank Beamer and you know that just he was a much different. I mean, you couldn't have any two people in public that were much more different than the, they, those two are and so you know those people are on the fence and you know you're asking them for more projects that are coming up you want to do some things at the stadium um you know the, so you're going to be asking them for money and so you have to at some point you have to be uh accountable to them at least not us not fa not fa exactly. not the general fans but there's a certain subset of fans that you have to have be endear endear yourself to and i and i don't think this did that and so uh, it, you know, uh, some fans were saying he should have sent out a letter through the Hokie Club, and those are all things that you kind of think, yeah, like what would have been the harm in that? You know, like what? Wh why wouldn't you do those steps to make it easier on yourself when you're going to be, 
you know, they got this weight room project now that they've already have the funds for, but what about the next one? You know, what about the, after this wave of projects gets done this year? Whereas I think the, the issue for, for Fuente right now is just that after two mediocre seasons, already being a different personality than Frank and fans struggling to sort of accept that, is that you do this and you sort of put the fans that were on the fence, you sort of give them a reason not to like you. And, you know, yes, 10 wins will get you back in their good graces, but it won't make them like you. <laughs> like, it won't make them, like, want to go to the bat for you. You know, it's like, it's like th I think these things are what gets remembered versus 10 wins, you know, down the line for especially big donors. And I just yeah. think that, that, you know, Witt has been his biggest supporter, you know, and part of that, I think, is that he just has to because there's so much money invested in, in Fuente. But I think as a, as a as a service to Fuente, he should have just said, look, there are ways we can handle this that are just, you know, th that will help you out in terms of public opinion. And it didn't happen, clearly. I mean, like you said, he seemed to be uh, uh, in, in But also that doesn't, and, and, that, and that doesn't just fall at wit. I think there's somebody in that room that's got to be like, hey, guys, here's what we should do. Here's ideas what we could do. You know, sure. it goes back to um, when we were talking about this a couple months ago where people were up in arms that Fuente didn't so say hi to Michael Vick or didn't have, like, a meeting with those t uh, players that were at, was it, the 99 team that yeah. were back. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, somebody else in the room has to be like, here's some ideas we have. We need to be doing this. We need to be thinking about this because I think coaches sometimes have this tunnel view of, like, you know, all that matters is the product on the field. And it's like, well – Yes, but I mean, you get paid a lot of money to do more than that, right? Your job description and is bigger than that. And you're right, though. That's not his area of expertise. There are people who are hired to do handle PR. And Wit too. I mean, Wit's got all this on his right. plate. Where you got to have right. people and PR people and communications and even higher ups. You know, this is not just them. It's the sure. president's office is gonna be like, hey guys, the Baylor thing ultimately doesn't matter because he didn't take it, mm -hmm. but. It's going to matter to somebody that want we want to ask for money or somebody we want to ask to buy tickets. So maybe we should just take 10 minutes out of our day, right? Exactly. That's all it takes. Yeah. Um, so, But like I said, I don't think it ultimately matters. Nothing matters because he didn't take it. Well, it would have been crushing if he took it. This That would have oh been yeah. as de that would have been as like devastating of a blow to a football program as the, in, in the time that it was mm -hmm. with the team that you had and Bud just leaving. Um, and I think that's why fans were so up in arms because like, man, we wake up on Thursday, right. he is gone. <laughs> it, it's not – and you just brought in this whole new coaching staff, half right. of which would leave because you know, the ones that were here before would go with Fuente probably. And then you had a couple that would stay, but what coach is going to want to come in with like a new defensive coordinator that's never been a defensive coordinator before? You know, all these different coach pieces, and it would have been – the level of devastation would have been would have been quite high. Would have been pretty big. Pretty pretty big deal, yeah. Um, well, yeah, we've already spent more time on this, thinking about it and discussing it, than it sounds like they ever did. So, well, yeah, they <laughs> they didn't have this conversation. It's not no. like what's like you want to talk to the media and front is like, Meh, and what's like, well, I'll do it. Okay, and then that's all they did. But I, you know, maybe they repair things. Maybe he'll have like a beautifully written opening statement the next time he talks to the media. But I, you know, that's hard to. Because he just doesn't like doing that, so it's hard to see. But, I mean, now – I mean, the next time he talks to the media might be February – first Wednesday of February with signing day, if that. Because they might not sign anybody, so maybe he won't even talk. So <laughs> spring, the start of spring, at that point, it's going to be forgotten. So it's just sort of like you shoot yourself in the foot, I think, a little bit. That, that yeah. I just think that, that that was a misstep. Yep. Well, uh, we'll, we'll bury that topic and move on. But there, as you mentioned, there's a lot of optimism about 2020. But two players that uh, were possible 
uh, returners for the for that team, two two quality high quality players, Damon Hazelton and Dalton Keene have decided to leave. Hazelton entered the transfer portal. Yes. Before that, Keene declared for the in NFL draft. Um, your thoughts? Did you see now with the NFL draft they're gonna they're gonna be out on a gondola and like I've heard something about uh, that, the Bellagio. Yeah. Um, uh, water in front of the Bellagio. They're going to have the stage set nice. and boat him out. Um, I don't think he's going to be drafted high enough to get uh, the boat trip. Um, uh, both surprising decisions. I thought, if anything, Hazleton would leave for the draft, um, but obviously he's uh, looking to be a, a grad transfer. He'll have to get a waiver because this is the second time he's transferred, um, which uh, it, it is, is not... It's different than your regular waiver that you'd need to get. I think it, ha it had a lot to do with what if the school you're going to has the graduate program you don't have access to. So you'll have to find, I think, a specific school with something that Virginia Tech doesn't offer. Um, in Keene's case, another surprise, we had him available at the media day at the Belk Bowl, and everybody just kind of assumed he was going to be back. Um, um, but he, he leaves, and I think in both cases the Tech's okay depth-wise. Uh, I mean, I think James Mitchell can be uh, offensive – uh, impact player. I think blocking-wise, you're probably going to look at Nick Gallo that takes some of the responsibility in that part. And receiver-wise, I think Trey Turner has the capability of being your top guy, and you got a bunch of pieces around him. Um, but, you know, you kind of said, oh, they're going to return, what was it, I think uh, 19 of 22 starters. Now that number is down to 16 because Deshaun McLeese also left. That was kind of expected. So the number just keeps dropping. So where does it end up? I'm not sure. Um, you'll probably have another couple transfers here after the semester starts because they can guarantee their money, but I don't know if they'll be starters. I thought it was originally 21 of 22 with Floyd being the only one who wasn't, and now it's now it's uh, 18 of 22. I don't know. We Maybe, can, yeah, we can right. figure but that it, out it, later. Um, but yeah, 21 yeah, of 22. It's, it's, but it's it, fewer than it was Fewer than to it be. was. It's gone down kind of yeah. as we've counted the weeks have gone past after the regular season. Um, but I think Keen, especially, you know, obviously he was a fan favorite and a guy in the locker room that was your, a leader mm -hmm. uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, fan uh, tweeted at me just like, well, you know, that, that component is going to be hard to replace. I think Brock Hoffman's a guy you look at that, you know, even though he didn't play, this will be his first year playing. He was on the scout team and, and is a guy that's kind of become that emotional kind of guy in the locker room for the offense because the defense has all, all sorts of talkers and, mm -hmm. and leaders. But um, I'm not sure how much you know. You you'd, you don't want those guys to leave because obviously they've proven capable um, at their positions. But um, I don't think it sort of hurts Virginia Tech's outlook necessarily. Right. Well, one thing I wanted to touch on while we were talking about transfers is just you know Miami Coastal Division rival here has has picked up two uh, high profile transfers in a quarterback from Houston um, and also the. I guess one see Roche, the yeah. pass rusher from Temple, that yeah, um, one of the leading sack men. That yeah, Virginia Tech was involved in that one, and he had visited kind of a day before he had uh, ended up deciding because he he enrolled early. Uh, Derek King, I don't know if that's how you pronounce yeah, it, is the quarterback, it is. and his story was interesting. He was the one that uh, after four games decided to s to to redshirt and come back for a, uh, another year. And Houston had, had two two other players or one other player do that thinking that, oh, they'd get imp they'd improve and be ready. And then he decided at the last second, uh, never mind, I'm not, I'm not transfer. Um, and then he goes to Miami, and he had um, some good numbers and gives them a uh, sort of a, a veteran presence at the position because um, quarterback has been kind of a disaster for them the last couple of years. And they hired Rhett Lashley, uh, who was at Auburn uh, a couple years ago, who has SMU last year to be their offensive coordinator. So they're trying to look to rebuild the offense with those two. Well, I haven't vetted this, but – 
uh, I haven't confirmed it, but I mean, Mike Ryan on the uh, on the Dan Levitard show, which is based in Miami, he's a big Miami fan, and he said before he transferred to Miami, uh, the Eric uh, he. Uh, he was the third in the Heisman Trophy uh, odds, uh, Vegas odds, hmm. because I guess they assumed he would transfer somewhere high profile. Right, right. And, uh, and he joked that maybe the, the odds are not as good anymore because he went to Miami. But, sure. But, uh, I mean, he's that kind of player. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, you think Virginia Tech was probably in line to be the coastal favorite along with uh, North Carolina, but I'm sure there's going to be some Miami support, too, with with this news. Well, Miami leaved, leaned heavily on transfers last year, too, and I asked about and I asked Manny Diaz about that, and he said they'd try to go away from that now, you know, try to build players, and I, I think some, sometimes filling those holes uh, with transfers, trying to do that every year is very difficult. I think you've seen now at the quarterback position, a lot of teams are trying to do that with grad transfers where you're one player away. Um, Wake Forest quarterback went to Georgia, um, recently, so uh, I mean, you're seeing that more and more, um, but it isn't easy. I think if you don't get the right player, or there's not the right fit, you're just kind of stuck and you could struggle. Uh, didn't work for them last year, um, but offensively, they needed a spark. And obviously, his numbers you're looking at him, he had almost 3,000 passing yards and 36 touchdowns the year before and missed two games, so um, and almost ran for 700 yards. So, obviously, um, you know, the numbers say that he's going to give them a, a pretty big lift, yeah. All right. Well, the schedule is out. Uh, came out. Did it come out today? This yeah. morning. Yeah. yeah. Today we're taping this on uh, Wednesday, and what? I mean, obviously we knew uh, the September dates already, the non-conference stuff, but the uh, the conference schedule is. I mean, what, what what stands out to you about it when you look at it? Well, the notable things for fans that haven't seen it is uh, the Virginia game is back on the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Mm. Uh, they've been in fr on the Friday in recent years, so that's November 28th. That's at home at Lane Stadium. Uh, you got two games that are not on Saturdays. Um, uh, a game against, what are those, the ones that are not on Saturday? Boston College on a Thursday um, on October 22nd, and you're at Pittsburgh at Heinz Field on November 6th. That's a Friday. Um, so those are kind of things that jump out. All the ACC teams have at least one non-Saturday game this year. That's kind of a trend in the, the last couple of years in the conference. I think it's terrible. Um, Thursday games are notable here. Friday games, I think, are, are just, the, you know, awful for, for college to put them on, on Fridays with the high school football. Yeah. Um, um, not a game for – not a day for college football. But um, they open their schedule October 3rd at home against uh, Georgia Tech. Um, visit North Carolina, have a bye week or open week, as Norm Wood would like to say. Um, host Boston College, visit uh, Louisville at the end of October on the 31st. That's their first visit to Louisville uh, as conference opponents. Uh, visit uh, Pittsburgh the next week on November 6th. Host Miami November 14th and visit Duke uh, on the 21st. Um, What's notable to me is both casino trips are back-to-back. As you mentioned, that is true. That is yes, that Pitt. is true. Uh, so, but Louisville's, uh, I prefer Louisville in terms of uh, the the gambling there because it's a Caesars. But uh, so, but I might not have any money left for that uh, Pittsburgh uh, casino. So, I mean, <laughs> looking at this completely selfishly and self-involved, I'm, I'm disappointed that those aren't split up a little bit more. But I mean, if you look at it, I mean, it's just. We knew uh, we knew which games would be at home and which would be on the road, so none of that's a surprise. But I mean, I guess when you when you look at uh, the way it sets up, I mean, you have a pretty big game against UNC that second game. I mean, that's that seems like um, that could be pivotal. Um, well, yeah, North Carolina is going to be really good. I mean, their quarterback 
Sam Howell it was was good last year as a true freshman. I think he's gonna he could take a big step forward, especially in that offense. Um, you know, you look, you got three or four on the road uh, with Miami being the home game during that stretch. That's gonna be challenging because um, you know th- this week only the one this year only the one open week because you're starting a week later. Um, so I mean that'll be tough to kind of try to survive that. And then Louisville showed uh, they made some big gains in the first year under Scott uh, Satterfield. So um, how good will they be? Um, so yeah, I think you know. But what right away, you know, you could dig yourself a hole if you lose that North Carolina game, uh, which is something that I think that you know that could be, like you said, proved p- pivotal by the end of the year. Did, did I miss this? I mean, is that is that a new thing that they're just going to start a week? Late? I mean, they're only on going to have one bye week. I think it's or? certain years. I don't think it's okay. It's so set. It's just yeah, it's just it varies. Yeah, okay. yeah. Because yeah. I, I kind of liked the early start and then a, little, a couple of breaks in between. I'm sure coaches like having a you know time to rest up and get the guys. Uh, good to go of course coaches are paranoid so they also like look at it and say oh why do you have a buy for us you know well and then this year's buy or open week for tech comes they have a thursday game so it's a a couple days less so i don't know and then but they'll have a couple extra days to prepare for louisville so i don't know how that all balances out fuente usually says well we just play the games that are on the schedule so um you know these schedule reveals are so weird it's like what are you reading i saw a couple of people write up like five takeaways from the schedule it's like well it's the same schedule that they had <laughs> yesterday. We just the the jumble has been answered. Um, and really, I mean, still the biggest game of the year is your second week, which we knew all along was Penn State. So, right. um, you know, I, what do we learn from the schedule? Uh, I don't know. It's there. Well, I mean, start making your plans, folks. You know, start making. We, your plans. we have no flights, so we don't even need to make plans. Really? We yeah. I mean, we're our longest no travel will be games. Louisville and Murfreesboro. Uh, uh, Tennessee, I think, will be long. Or, yeah. yeah, Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro, yeah, I think, yeah. seven hours. Yeah, or I so. think Tennessee, and that'll be our first trip of many in the coming years to Tennessee. So, yeah. um, a lot of Tennessee trips. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, I don't. I, you know, look at that North Carolina game, and that's big. But other than that, I don't really see. I mean, you know, it is what it is, really. Yeah. Well, you always like to get uh, Miami in in mid November if you can. Uh, have it be a little colder, you know. Yeah, a little, yeah, a little more helps. uncomfortable for them. So, but that uh, that match that matchup in November against Pitt's not friendly either. I mean, no. that's freezing. And the last time they went up there, um, their offense was frozen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I love that city. So I mean, it's kind of a bummer. I love exploring the city, and it's a little hard not sometimes in, uh, in November. Sub zero temperatures. Yeah, that's not yeah. fun. Um, you wanted to touch on recruiting. Uh, tech recruiting too um it, it could be a very weird uh official signing day for virginia tech and that they don't add anybody and i mean they have uh you know as we'll see here if there's a little more attrition i think they have one open spot after hazelton decided to leave um w- including the guys that they had already signed on the early signing day maybe they have a room for one or two more who you know and if they can get even one or two more um what are their needs at this point? Uh, you you kind of think defensive line still, defensive end is somewhere where you kind of like them to get somebody else to kind of shore up that depth. Maybe a, a wide receiver to replace Hazelton because you only signed one wide receiver. But well, how weird would it be for official signing day to come up and they sign nobody? Yeah, that'd be crazy. But I mean, I guess this is why they all pushed for that that early early signing day, right? They wanted to be done with it by this point, and it looks like Tech's. If not there, they're close. Well, and I think you got to leave now, and I think strategies have changed where you're not in necessarily a hurry to sort of get whoever you can get. 
because with the transfer portal the way it is, they're going to get a wave of guys leaving in the next week or two. You're going to get another wave of guys leaving after spring practice. People wrap up because not just at Tech, just across the country because they lost jobs or don't feel good about their spot in the depth chart. So maybe best to leave a spot open or two so you can get a more experienced player where right now you're probably going to be, you know, there's some grad, there's some grad transfer, some guys in the transfer portal, but, you know, talking to high school players again, but maybe you can get, because, you know, last year they got, uh, in February, that's when they kind of um, added uh, Braxton Burmeister and Brock Hoffman last year. So maybe something similar happens um, next month where you're kind of just adding one or two pieces where it's a guy with experience but not on anything on signing day. Um, but we'll see. Uh, obviously two weeks left here and coaches are on the road um, recruiting and, and doing a lot from the next year's class too, trying to, trying to lay that groundwork. Right. Okay, let's get to our pick three. Uh, my first one, have you read, have you been watching, or have you read The Outsider by Stephen King? It's They, they adapted yes. it. Yes, I read it. Um, for HBO. I've been watching the adaptation. It's got the Ben Mendelsohn, the guy you really like from that uh, Ryan Reynolds gambling movie in it. Oh, yeah. He's the he's the lead. Mississippi. Mississippi, Mississippi Grind. Um, Grind. It's been very good, uh, very dark. Not uh, It's a, about a ch- murder of a child, so obviously not yeah. your most um, uplifting and um, um, sort of fun uh, series, but um, it's been good so far. I've enjoyed it. I've heard the book is not very good. I remember enjoying the beginning of the book, and then it just kind of fell off the rails. And then that's happened in a lot in some, you know, like Tommy Knockers. I mean, some of these books that Stephen King has done, he he gets you roped in, and then you're like, oh, this is kind of going going somewhere I didn't really want it to go. It's kind of lame, but I don't remember too much about is it. it. Tommy like Knockers, the book coach and stuff. Yeah, so Little League yeah. coach is accused of it, but then there's. He's in two places at once. It's kind of right. about a uh, doppelganger, sort of mysterious. So it kind of, it's a very much a. Pro, pro, it starts out as a police procedural where, like, like you think it's just going to be like Law and Order, where you're kind of going through, and then it adds the supernatural element. But um, does Tommy Knockers end like the book ends? What happens at the end of Tommy? I can't remember. Uh, I have never seen the movie. I read I've the miniseries on TV, right? The That's the one about the plane where they show up and then it's yes. about the e- eating time. They they're back in time, like by like uh, or something like that. Just a bunch of weird stuff happened, but yeah, in the end, it's spoiler alert. It's it's aliens. It's, it it's, is it's aliens. I don't aliens. think it was aliens yeah. in the. I don't know if it was aliens in the TV series. <laughs> spoiler alert. But that was the one where they they were in a plane and they f- ended up flying and then they land at an airport. It's empty or something like that. Or no, I'm no, not. no. Which one was that? I don't, I, remember. I don't know. Which was Tommy Knockers? <laughs> it's it's not worth your time. Not worth the time. All right. What's your first one? <laughs> uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, mm. Cool to see Larry Walker get in. Uh, his brother Kerry Walker lives in Vinton, mm. and was a former hockey player for the for the Virginia Lancers back when they played in in the old Lancer lot. And I actually have uh, I called Kerry uh, yesterday, and we're gonna we're gonna chat about Larry getting in. And um, he's lived in Vinton for 25 years, so kind of cool. They're of course they're Canadian, um, Larry and Kerry, but. Um, Cool for Larry Walker, uh, you know, kind of bummed that Billy Wagner's still around 30%. You know, he's maybe he'll get a bump like uh, Walker did. It doesn't seem like there's a very good – I was looking at the classes, uh, future classes yesterday. It didn't seem like there's a lot of names that jump out until a couple of years from now. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, those guys that are kind of hovering um, next two years maybe, they got to be hoping that they jump in. Yeah. I mean, I know um, – Schilling was short with 70 – he needed 75%. He needed yeah, 70. he'll get in eventually, yeah, okay. I think. Are Bonds and Clemens been going up, or are they staying where they are? Uh, I think they've been about 
the like the last couple years, I think the, 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 about the same, about sixty percent. I mean, I think they'll get in, and it'd probably be like this Larry Walker situation where there's one more year for the riders to make the statement that they they belong, and uh, I think that's when they'll say, okay, fine, you've waited long enough. We're gonna. How put long you was Larry Walker waiting? This is like fifteen years, right? Isn't it fifteen? He was maybe, maybe, t- maybe ten. That you're only on long. the you're only on the ballot so long, and. Um, Anyway, I'll, I'll I'll look it up before I talk to Kerry tomorrow. But um, yeah. So did Kerry play baseball as well? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Hopefully, don't know he tells you that it. he taught him everything that he knows. <laughs> Kerry seems like a trip. He's man. in. He's in. He's in the Hall of Fame because of me. Hopefully, that that's what you get. <laughs> he reminds me a bit of Randy King. He's like, yeah, my phone's about to die. <laughs> he's just like, I'm 63, and I, you know, so I don't know. It, it should be an entertaining chat we have. Um, my second, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm is back. I watched the premiere on Sunday. Uh, always good to have Larry David uh, in your life. Um, it, you know, I, I think the quality of the show has gone down from its sort of peak years uh, in kind of the Seinfeld maybe season was kind of the, the where it kind of crescendoed. Um, but still, a lot of funny observations. Uh, I like he was walking down the street and somebody had a selfie stick that was in his way and grabbed it, broke it in his knee and just threw it. Uh, that was good because you want to do the things he does but can never do. Uh, but it was very funny. Um, um, a lot of funny. It seems like plot, there's a Me Too plot line that's going to sort of play out across the season. Um, and his spin on it obviously should be amusing. But uh, good to have Curb Your Enthusiasm. A lot of HBO. The Outsiders on HBO and Curb Your Enthusiasm airs after that. So um, that's my second one. Okay. Uh, I made leftover tacos today, and I had the exact right amount of shells for the meat and uh, and pico that I had left. And that was a very, very nice thing. I mean, just cause sometimes you, you, know, you have that leftover, that, that stranded shell. Was this for lunch or an early left dinner? Left on base, yeah. Yeah, we had tacos last night for dinner, and we had okay. you know some leftover meat. And I uh, had just enough, just enough shells for the meat. And so it was perfect. Uh, that was my second one. That's your second. That's it. That's really. <laughs> you could tell like, I could well, do a basketball really game. Prepared. <laughs> uh, my second one. Wasn't it an eight o'clock game or is it a seven o'clock? It's game? eight o'clock. Yeah. All right. So you got some time. Oh, we're good. Um, my second one. Lee Child. I've mentioned him a couple of times here on the podcast. My one of my favorite uh, authors writes a series about Jack Reacher, former military uh, police investigator. Um, he's retiring as an author. He's retiring, and this this announcement shocked the world. Um, on uh, couple days ago i think it was saturday and uh announced it in a press release he's handing over the rights to the character and the the, the his books to his brother his younger brother um lee child is not his real name but they changed his name his his brother's andrew grant uh he's gonna be writing the books under andrew child um and so at first i just thought he's done after 24 books uh he's 60 i think he's 65 um he's just gonna be done but apparently they're, they're gonna write four of them together and then it's gonna be his brother's show it's gonna be his brother who's writing him. Um, and so it was just the, it makes you feel old when somebody you've read since, you know, for 20 more, more than 20 years is sort of done and retiring. That makes you feel old. It was shocking that he gave it to, just was like, here, and giving it to your brother. Could you imagine, like, having a million-dollar sort of, um, I mean, his books have been translated into however many languages, two movies, a TV series coming up on Amazon Prime, multi-million dollars. I mean, this is big money, just hands it over to his brother. Uh, and then, you know, you question, like, is it going to be the same? What's it going to be like? So a lot of tenants to that and just fascinating sort of uh, the publishing world apparently was taken aback by all the happenings. And so, but uh, for me, it was just sort of, man, we're old now. So, uh, yeah, 25 years, uh, you know, 24 books, I think in 25 years, close to it. But 
Oh, yeah, retiring. And you he, feel like 65 is not old. You hope, uh, uh, you know. But, you know, you can see why you want to take a step back. Sure, sure. I mean, I'm, if, if your creative juices dry up a little bit, you know, then you don't need the money. You know, that's, that's what you do. Uh, my last one, uh, you know, I think the last podcast or the podcast before I mentioned that nacho cheese drum that was yes. coming. Um, I had not opened it yet. It had not arrived <laughs> yet. But it, it arrived. Um, update. Delicious. Fantastic. Um, we've we've broken it out for all of the NFL weekends except for this past one where I actually had to cover a hockey game. Um, so we have enough left for the Super Bowl, just enough. Uh, left but don't you want to – since it, like, lasts in perpetuity, can't you order backup drums? Like an you can, oh, sure. Yeah, you can get them. Or do you – if you order too much, you'll just keep eating it. You don't want to yeah. try to no, I mean, you monitor you that situation. You six pounds in the, you know, when you're done with the your first serving of it. So – uh, yeah, it's, it's it was a special occasion. Maybe what I'll do is when the playoffs start, the NFL playoffs start each year, I'll order a drum and, and use it for that. If you hear voices in the background, those are my kids. <laughs> they have broken out of their room. They're um, free. And have taken, taken. It's just at the end of the podcast, so I guess we'll just leave it. Um, but, yeah, so uh, that's those. The, the voices he, aren't just He's random. giving them the look we're of not in, We're not taping this live anywhere other than um, – we had locked them in the room, but now they're out. They've busted out. Yeah, they're out. They're, they're looking they're for gonna nacho overrun, cheese. They're, they're going to overrun the ramparts here, so we'll just go ahead and get uh, get moving. Uh, we'll get together again when we have enough to talk about, and who knows? I mean, this came out of nowhere, so it uh, could be sooner than you think. For Mike Nizolik, this is Aaron McFarling. We will see you next time.